0: that, If you got your Bibles with you, how many brought your Bibles? Yeah. Good. I mean, if you didn't, again, you could have. But here we are. So we'll continue going through it. And I got some scriptures on the screen that I want to share with you. And I'm so excited to be sharing some things with you from the Word of God. And, you know, last week we, we started a new thing talking about faith, and it was phenomenal. Last week, Sunday, man, it was awesome just to see the Spirit of God move. We had a lot of people receive healing in their physical bodies. And we got some testimonies of it, people's back who weren't able to bend came up, and they came up to the front on the stage, and they bent down for us to show us, devil, you're messing with the wrong place. We are a healed bunch in this place, are we not? And so this is what we want. We want Jesus to be magnified in everything that we do. And not just that, but we want you to experience Jesus. It's not so much that, oh, the preacher's just talking about God, and that's great. What we want is you need to experience him for yourself, because that's who he is. He's a God of experience. (laughs) How many of you have had experiences with God? Uh, Man, I have. And guess what? He wants more. It's cool that we had one four years ago, but he wants a fresh and new one with you today, kind of like what Jamie was reading in James chapter 4. Man, come close to God in your heart, and he'll come close to you. So I believe that. I expect that with all my heart, that for this church and for the families that are part of this church, they will experience God in greater ways because that's what we want, and that's who we crave, is we want Jesus. Amen? Okay. So if you got your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 2 for a moment. And I want to, again, we're going to lay a quick foundation because not everybody was here. And I, I, at the same time, I don't have it in me to make this go fast. Okay, we, we got to go to the next thing. I want to take my sweet time in it because this is a life change for a lot of people. For a lot of people who didn't grow up even necessarily hearing about faith or hearing about grace. This is where it all comes back to because our relationship with God is a relationship of grace and faith. So if anybody asks, how do you have a relationship with God? It's grace and faith, baby. That's exactly what it is. It's not beg and see if it works or I hope to God that one day he'll do something. It has got nothing to do with that. It's grace has moved. Faith responds to what grace has already done. And so that's what we're taking the time just to unpack it and reveal it so that you can see it and apply it to your personal life. So you can actually start seeing the works. I mean, what Jamie just kind of shared a little testimony for our own lives I mean, we were, we weren't able to have children, naturally speaking, everything was fine, but just the babies weren't coming. And so a lot of times people go, God, why is this happening? Not with us. We went to the word of God and we found that the word of God. This is what he said. This is what he promised. And so therefore he said it, God, we hold you to. We count you faithful to do what you said that you do. And the result is hanging on to his promises, three babies later and counting, we'll continue to have some. Uh, just cause we're, we're so good at it. We might as well keep having, my wife is amazing at having babies. I mean, high five girl. Like I, I could not do that. <laughs> She's tougher than I am. I just didn't know what would happen to me. All right. What are we talking about? Babies. <laughs> no, not babies. Uh, Jesus. Okay. Colossians chapter two and verse six, it says this, and I have it from the new living Bible. And it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then, everybody say then. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And we talked a little bit last week and I want to reemphasize this again because it is vital. How do I get rooted in the word of God? Does anybody remember? No? Okay, glad. That's why we're reviewing it. How do I get rooted in the Word of God? What does it mean to be rooted? It's I'm fixed. I'm established in something so that no matter what happens in life, I go back to my roots. See, a lot of times when stress comes on people, they automatically go back to what's already on the inside of them. And so sometimes you wonder, man, how come I I just freaked out and lashed out or swore at this person when I was under stress? It's because it was in you. It's rooted on the inside of you. He's telling us here, let your roots grow down into him. So that when the pressures of life squeeze you, what comes out of you? The word. Right? Him. I want him to come out of me. I want his word to come out of me. Right? So next time somebody cuts you off, you're not saying what you used to say. Hey, remember what, remember what you used to say? Oh, <laughs> I got one come on. Yeah, it, get, it goes real deep in the come Come on. But now that you're a new creature in Christ and your lives get totally immersed in the word, what comes out of you? Oh, God bless you. Thanks for cutting me off. God loves you. Where in fact, you used to run them off the road and give them a little piece of your mind, right? Just only a few people in here. You guys are so sanctified, it's not even funny. Okay. So again, how do I get rooted in the word of God? I get rooted in the word of God by making a quality decision. This is where all of life, this is the wonderful thing about God, is he's given us freedom of choice. God is not going to force you to do anything. I mean, we all know this, but if you really thought about that, nobody forced you to come here tonight. Nobody's forcing you to listen. Nobody's forcing you to dig into your Bible. Nobody's forcing you to pray. Not even God himself is not doing that. So everything with him is a quality decision that you and I make. Now, the decisions we make obviously have pros and cons to it. But what he's saying here, if if you make a quality decision, and this is the decision that we're making, to live only. Say only. Only. I'm going to live only by what God says. You have to base your life off of something. Everybody's basing their life off of something whether it's a paycheck, whether it's what the government does, whether it's what their job comes, whether it's what their husband or wife says, whether it's what's going on in the political realm, everybody makes a decision based on something. And sadly, a lot of people base it out of fear of, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen, I better do this. And they're making quick decisions based on something that they're feeling and experiencing. So I wanna ask you this question, who's calling the shots in your life? What is causing you to make the calls that you're calling? Is it pressure? Is it, oh, I gotta make a decision, so there. Or, man, I could get a better paycheck if I go over here. Who's calling the shots? Because just because it's $25 more an hour does not mean it's gonna be heaven on earth for you. Right, you could have $24 more an hour, but all of a sudden there's strife in your marriage. Is that worth it? No, and if you just stuck around a little bit more, God's gonna bless you anyway. So we want to make sure that what the decisions that we're making them off of is based on what the Word of God has to say and what the Spirit of God is leading us to do, right? Can, can we get an amen on that? Like, good, uh-huh on that. Because this is, this is the difference for a lot of Christians that are seeing results in their life and not seeing results is they made a decision that what the Word says, I believe it as my final authority. Thank God for everybody else here and all the pros that are out there. Thank God for them. But I'm going to stick by what the Word says. That's my truth. Got to settle that. I know Jamie and I, we settled that over our marriage. And there's times I've settled it with the Lord. I took communion with the Lord and I said, Lord, when you say it, that is it. I'm not going to check with anybody else. I am going with what you say. And the result is, God honors that. He loves to be trusted. He loves it when His kids, us take him at his word, right? That's all that it is. It's very simple. So Christianity is so simple that you actually needed people to complicate it for you. That's all that they did. They made the Bible so complicated that you, I don't get this thing. Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came to give us a relationship. Let's simplify this thing, right? Okay. This is not my message, but we'll continue on. So again, are we making a quality decision on the Word? Because look what the Word does. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is what the Word does. This is its role in your and my life if you'll let it. Here's the thing. You have to let the Word do this. So it says this. All Scripture. Everybody say, all Scripture. All Scripture scripture is inspired by God. Other translations, maybe you have. Say it's God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God. And the Scripture is useful Now notice, to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So right off the bat, I can see it right there. Just go back to the first part there for a moment. It teaches us what is true. So we have got to take on the mindset that I don't know everything. (laughs) Can, Can you be okay with just saying that with me? I don't know everything. Say what? Yeah, I don't know everything. Even though this is a generation of information does not mean that we know and we can actually make the information we know we can actually activate it in our life what the word says is here it teaches us what is true and then he also points out it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives and the generation we live in today nobody wants to be proven wrong lord knows i'm the smartest guy since sliced bread listen we are all in need of correction everything in my life i am not smart in everything So what do I need? I need the Holy Spirit, and I need my wife. (laughs) And my wife said, no, 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 amen. Come on, girl, I I gave you a perfect opportunity. But anyways, so as long as I take on this position that I am teachable, because listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to smart people. (laughs) If you think you know it all, guess what? The Holy Spirit's not going to say a word to you, because you know it all already. But the moment you say, Holy Spirit, teach me, He comes right to your aid and says, Yeah, well, let me help you. Let me show you something. So always take on that mentality that I don't know everything. Got to eat some humble pie here, y'all, tonight. We got to just get through this a little bit. Then he says, And then to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Man, I like that. So I may be wrong. Then he goes on to say, It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. There it is. Now, verse 17. God uses it. What does God use? The Word to do what? To prepare and to equip His people to do every good work. That's what He uses it for. So the Word teaches you and I what is true. It corrects us when we are wrong. Then God uses His Word to prepare and to equip us to do every good work that He's called us to do. So the troubles that you're facing, the trials that you're facing, that's not there to teach you and to equip you for every good work. Oh, what? What is, well, really, if you, kind of, if you really study your Bible, Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about trials and persecutions. Why do trials and persecutions come? They come because you've received the word. And the devil is after the word that you have. Yeah. He doesn't give a rip about you. He doesn't care about the problems you have. He cares that you've got word in you. And the moment that you've got some word, he's going to do whatever he possibly can to get that word out of you. And you can read that in Mark chapter 4. He does it by stealing it when we don't honor it. He does it by trials and tribulations. He does it by crowding you things out in your life so you get more interested in making money or having more stuff or being more popular. He uses all these tools to get the word out of you. But God uses his word to prepare you and equip you for every good work. So if we're not spending quality time in this word, how is God able to prepare and equip you? How does he do it? He, he can't. So at the same time, when we're not spending time in the word of God, what happens to God? We're basically tying his arms behind his back and saying, God, do something with my life. I can't. I, I can't do anything in your life. I can't correct you. I can't teach you. I can't show you what's right because the book is closed. But the moment we spend time opening up this word and saying, Lord, I'm open for correction. I want to be trained and equipped. The word does that. Amen. Okay, just a five would be too. We're in the living room, so I like to high five in the living room. That's right. Okay. So that all makes sense? Amen? Okay. Colossians chapter one, verse 13. This is again, we've read this scripture, but I do not want you to take this and hear it. Like, oh, I've known this one. He has rescued us. From the kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and he forgave all of our sins. I am falling more and more in love with this scripture every time that I read it. He has rescued me. Now what does the whole rescuing inquire result in? Blinds came off. Remember when you accepted Jesus and you finally saw what love did for you? Remember what happened? The blinds came off and you saw Oh man, this is, this is the kingdom of, the kingdom of darkness was trying to do this to me. It was trying to rot, it was killing me, it was stealing from me. But Jesus, you came to give me light. Jesus, you came to open up my eyes to see you. You came to open up my eyes to see truth. Jesus, thank you. Not about you, but every single day I am so thankful that I've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness. And now I'm in the kingdom of his dear son. And this kingdom is wonderful. This kingdom is full of love. And what we want even here as a church is that you experience what the kingdom of God is like. You don't have to wait for heaven. The kingdom of God is here. Everybody say, it's here. We're not waiting to get to the kingdom of God. No, you're already in it. It's already on the inside of you. And what we want here as a church family is that every time you walk through these doors, every time you go to a connect group, any time you do something related to our what we're doing as Impact Life Church, that you experience the kingdom. And what is that? It is love, joy, and peace. Yeah. That's what the kingdom is all about. And we want you to experience that. We want you to own that because that's what the kingdom's all about. And you don't have to wait for it. You can tap into it right now. But now that I've been taken out of this kingdom, we said, I'm out. Everybody say it with me. I'm out. I'm out. And now what? I'm in. in. I'm out of what? Darkness. darkness. What does the darkness entail? Fear. 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 Confusion. Yeah. Sickness. Yeah. Poverty. What else? Worry. Worry. Shut it out at me. I think you're going to tackle me. as the way you're sitting. I thought you were going to... Depression. Depression. Religion. religion. Oh, Jesus, religion. What else? Anxiety. Anxiety. All of this. Anything that steal, kills, or destroys, you've been taken out of it. And where you've been placed? You've been placed into the kingdom of his dear son. Oh, but we still live in the world. We still experience these things. Yeah, we can still experience these things, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. Right? Even though we're surrounded by all this, it can't touch me. Right? Even though I'm surrounded, 10,000 may fall at my left hand. 1,000 may fall at my right hand, but it cannot come near me. Right? Because I've been taken out of that kingdom. Right? Okay. So now that we're out of sin, right? That was the big one we talked about. I'm out of sin, and I'm now in righteousness Who am I right now? So if somebody were just to come up to you and say, who are you? What would you say? I am righteous. Righteous. You could pretend you're like an Australian surfer. Righteous. (laughs) Try it. It feels kind of cool. Righteous. We say that with our boys all the time. Jason Max. Righteous. They've seen Finding Nemo, and that's what Crush the Turtle says. So, Righteous, dude. Righteous. But this is who you are. It's not just something that you try to attain to. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are what? So say it with me I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So what does that mean? I can go before God as if I've never done a thing wrong. He looks at me and he says, I see no fault in you. Ain't that a good thing? The judge of the world. The king of the universe looks at you and says, I find no fault in you. In fact, he actually says, there is no sin in you at all. I've seen none. He doesn't remember it. Okay. Now, as the righteousness of God, how do righteous people live? Do we live according to the world's standards? Do we live according to the world's ways? Do we live by our five physical senses? Are we limited to that? No. How do we Righteous people who are taken out of darkness, now living in light. How do we live? Come on, say it with me. Come on. By faith. A little bit louder. By faith. This is how righteous people live. We live by faith. And so I mean there's four scriptures, I'll just give you the quotes for them. Habakkuk chapter two, verse four, Romans one seventeen, Galatians three eleven, Hebrews ten thirty eight. It all says that the just shall live by faith. So if the Bible is telling us very clearly, four different times, and in four different places, that this is how righteous people live, we ought to catch on to that. Now what I'm giving you again, I'm not giving you the denomination that I grew up in. I'm not giving you a certain branch of the arm, and this is how we grew up, and this is therefore how, you know, this is what I grew up in learning, and this is how, therefore you gotta learn it. No, if I was in a Baptist church, if I was in a Catholic church, I preach the same message in a brethren church. No matter where you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background is, you come into the kingdom of God. Let's say you got saved as a Baptist. Thank God, you're in. Let's say you came in as a Presbyterian. Thank God. Maybe you came in as a Pentecostal. Someone, yeah. come on. Where's my Pentecostals? Man, you didn't. <laughs> you should not be the, you know, the quiet ones. <laughs> Never know. There's a chandelier here, so we say, you want yeah. feel free, man. That is your chandelier to do what you want. But no matter how you came in, charismatic, Jesus people, whatever, the, whatever it was, faith is not a movement. Faith is not a denomination. Faith is not just what a certain amount of people should preach. Faith is kingdom talk. And if you have been brought into the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, He says the just now have to live a particular way. So no matter where you come from, no matter how you grew up or how you got in, this is how we live. And the Bible says by faith, by faith. So not by our emotions, not based by what we see, think or feel, not based on the five physical senses, but we live by faith. Amen. And aren't you thankful to God that He has actually elevated our living? Yeah. No longer you just limit to, to oh, this is, what the, this is what the market looks like, this is what looks like out, out here, that I'm limited to that. Because people could look at it and go, man, the market sure sucks out there. I'm, I'm not going to make moves. And God could be telling you to buy or sell or do something. Take on this. And you go, but God, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Faith doesn't always make sense. But if you listen to that and live by that, you'll be the most prosperous, strengthened, powerful individual. Why? Because you're living by faith. You're living in another realm. God has allowed you and I to come up to another realm and live like he lives. Man, that's amazing. And I'm glad you're pumped about that. <clears throat> so the first reason we talked a little bit about why faith. Everybody say why faith? why faith. So other than God telling you to, I just gave you a couple of reasons last week, and I want to just lay it again real quickly. Number one, it's because this is how our Father functions. This is how God Himself operates. Right? Can you see this? This is how because a lot of times people are, like this is a question that I get quite often. How do I have a relationship with God? How do I do this God me thing? I mean, I'm reading my Bible and I'm doing all those things. That's great. But faith is how he talks. Faith is how he lives. So when he speaks, it won't always make sense to you. Like he says, for example, you're coming out of debt this year. Yeah, but God, I only get paid $40,000 a year. I mean, my paychecks, I get 12 dollars an hour. I owe this and I owe that and I owe the other. and I owe all these people. But if God said it, what do you believe? Are you going to believe what the... What the your paycheck says, or are you going to believe what God says? Another thing God says, by his stripes you are healed. Yeah, but look at my knee. Look at what's going on in here. Look what's going on in my back. Are you going by what you see or are you going by what God says? You have to believe something and you're going to choose one or the other. And this is basically the decision point that you have to make. I'm going to go with God or I'm going to go with how I feel. One or the other. You cannot do both. It does not work. You'll be very confused. Okay. <laughs> so, the examples we use, I'm not going to just go up for cre- number one was creation. But faith filled words created the universe that we live in. I mean, if you just think about it, I, I was driving home from Edmonton this afternoon. I was just looking at the trees, just thinking for a moment. These trees are here because of a result of words. God spoke it, and there it is. Here it is. Next, the next, second reason I wanted to show you is Abraham. And I want you to see this Romans chapter 4, verse 17 because it very clearly lays out I mean for those of you that don't know the example Abraham read Genesis 17 it's phenomenal you'll you'll get a lot out of it but basically Abraham was an old man and God says you are a father of many nations at this time he's 99 years old God promised him at 75 that I'm going to make a you're going to be a father of many nations at 75 he's now 99 years old and God says it to him clearly again I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham because I have made you the father of many nations. Now, Abraham could look at his physical self and go, how? He could look at Sarah, the deadness of her womb, and go, how? She can have kids in her 20s, let alone, now she's 90? How on earth is this woman going to conceive? And then on top of that, give birth! Does anybody know a 90-year-old woman who gave birth? The oldest I know is 57, and Jesus help her. That was something else. She gave birth to twins. She's a pastor. Now it's just like, I was four when I heard that story. But anyway, 90-year-old woman gave birth. And all the women that gave birth go, Yeah, that, I, I don't know, but I just... You go. But how did she do it? She counted him faithful. She believed what God had said. And so this scripture here, it says, As it is written, this is what God said to Abraham. I... Now let's read it together. I have made you a father of many nations. I have made you. Not one day you're going to be. That's what a lot of Christians are stuck in. One day God's going to do this. One day God's going to heal me. One day God's going to take care of my family. That's not faith. That's hope. Hope is a real confident expectation of good coming my way. Faith takes it out of future, takes it out of past or whatever, and makes it right now. God speaks this way. I have healed your body. Well, I'll see it when I, when I, when I, when I feel it, God, then I'll believe it. That's not what he's looking for. That's not faith. Can, can you see this? This is where a lot of people are missing it. So this is how God speaks. In the presence of him whom he believed God, now notice what God does. He gives life to the dead, and now what does he do? He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So when God talks to you a lot of times, maybe he's sharing vision with you. Maybe he's sharing something about your family. Something about kids that are doing this or that. Maybe they're out of, out of the will of God at this moment. When God speaks to you, he speaks those things which do not exist as though they were. That's how he talks. So a lot of times people are going, that doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't have to make sense. That's the wonderful thing about faith. Faith makes things possible. It doesn't have to make clarity for you. You just got to believe what he said. Abraham, 99 years old, God said, I have made you a father of many nations. Abraham said, I believe you. Can we just say that together? I believe you. And at that word, God says, I count you righteous. And what happened? God was able to use him. And now guess what? Guess where you come from? Where does your faith come from? You are the children of Abraham. You, right where you're at. You're the children of Abraham. I'm the child of Abraham. Because of His simple belief in what God told him. A 99-year-old man, I'm so thankful that Abraham did that. Aren't you? Oh, man, I'm thankful. Then the next thing, just for time's sake, I'm not going to get all into this. But the next thing we talked about, faith is the... We talked about three different ways. Why faith? Number one was, it's how our Father operates. Number two, faith is the only way to please God. And number three was, if I don't live by faith, I frustrate the grace. Now, real quickly, number two... Faith is the only way to please God. It says this in Hebrews 11, 5 and 6. Rever- go to verse 6 for a moment. Without faith, what does it say? It is impossible to please God. It doesn't say it can't be done. It'll be hard to do. No, it says it is impossible to please God. Then he goes on. Anyone who comes to God must, everybody say must. Must, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We talked about this real briefly last week. If anybody, if you are talking to someone who didn't know Jesus, wasn't in the kingdom of God yet, and you were leading him to the Lord, what must somebody, a sinner, believe about Jesus? That he was raised from the dead. There's no ifs, ands, ofs, or around about it. You have to believe that Jesus died and God raised him from the dead. And if you believe that, the Bible says you're saved. There's some things that the Bible says you have to believe it. There's no, oh, you know what? Everybody's got their own way to heaven. That's, that's baloney, man. Jesus is the only way. He said you must believe that he is. And then he says, now anybody who comes to God, they must believe this. Say they must. You have to believe this. So if you're having a relationship with God and you're not having these musts in place, you will never experience a clear relationship with God. You must believe that He is. What does that mean that He is? It means that you take it out of that God was to God is-er. God was a healer. God was a provider. God, maybe He could do this. And God, someday in the future, can do that. you got to get it all out of those tenses. And you got to say, God is my healer now. you got to get it in the right tense. This is who He is right now. Not was, not maybe will do. He is. Sorry, I'm getting my preach on a little bit second thing he goes on to say if you come to God you believe that he is then you have to believe what now come on somebody you, I know this is easy to read but do you actually believe this that God rewards you just think for a moment is God interested in blessing you is God interested I mean how good is he Is he pay off your mortgage good is he getting you a brand new house good all right. Is he Model T Ford good? Is that did I say that right back? Okay. Is he Volkswagen good? Listen, everybody's got their choking point. Now listen, everything the goodness of God goes to the degree that you believe it. Is he Ferrari good? Is he Royal Royals Royce? Or Royals Royce. Roy- what is it? Rolls Royals whatever, the RR. <laughs> is he that good? See, everybody's got a certain choking point. Oh, I know. Yeah, He's Volkswagen good, but not Royce good. That's uh, a little much. It's all dependent on what you believe. That's all that it is. Because how good is he? Well, he saved your soul. Surely, if he did that for me, he'd do anything for me. So how good is he? And so you know what I really found out, just even meditating on these verses, I realized that God is not pleased when I'm sick. God is not pleased when I'm not receiving from Him. God's not pleased when I'm stressed, frustrated, or hurt. But when is He pleased? He's pleased when I'm blessed. He's pleased when I'm living a happy, good life. God is pleased by that because it shows that I'm receiving from Him His rewards. God loves it. And the third reason we didn't get to this last week here on a Saturday night, we did Sunday. But last week we talked about this, and I want you to turn to Romans chapter 5. Are you good? I have about 25 more minutes. Are we okay? Okay, I'm gonna just do this and I'm I'm trusting I'm believing the Holy Spirit is imparting things to you but Romans chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 again we're talking on number 3 so number 1 why faith why faith do I really need to go over this again (laughs) it's how our father functions number 2 faith is the only way to please God so even though I went to church for 4 weeks in a row If it's not done in faith, nothing. Do you see that? Faith is what pleases Him. What is faith? It's my trust. It's confidence in Him. I trust you, God. I came to service tonight believing I'm going to see something I've never seen before. He likes that. Did you know He likes that? When you pay, when you give your offering, when you sow your your seed, whether it's financially, whether it's time, He likes when you do it in faith because you're trusting Him. And thirdly, this is the one we talked about. If I don't live by faith, I frustrate grace. And now, let me just read these scriptures to you. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Now, what is grace? We've talked about these for the last two months. Grace is everything that God has given us. Can we say that? Grace Grace is everything that God gives us. So in your Bibles, whenever you're reading it, you see the word gift, you can exchange it for the word grace. Every time you see those two words, it's grace, it's charis, it's gift. Right? So now, therefore, everybody say, therefore. therefore. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ the Lord has done for us. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us. Everyone say this. Christ has, Christ has brought me. Where did he bring you? Into this place of what? Undeserved, undeserved Privilege. privilege. Where we now stand, and it goes on, and where we confidently and joyfully look forward to God's, sharing God's glory. But right now, where do you stand because you trust in Jesus? Where, where are you right now? Spiritually speaking, where are you right now? In this place of undeserved privilege. This is where I stand. The way that I see it is God is just throwing gifts at me every single moment of every day. And then guess what? Every morning, His mercies are new every morning. The moment I wake up, new stuff is coming my way constantly. This is a giver. God is the ultimate giver of all givers. Can anybody ever outgive God? No, it's impossible. This is His nature. I want you to see grace is His nature. This is who, this is basically, I read a book, it's called the DNA of God. Grace is the DNA of God. God can't help Himself, He just wants to give. For God so loved the world that he, this is what he is. This is his whole dynamic. He just wants to give, give, give. And if you've got kids, what do you want to do with your kids? You want to bless your kids. You want to see them have good days on this earth, do you not? Yeah. So Jesus said, if you being evil, know, give, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven want to give good gifts to them that ask him? Yeah. You've got to believe this about God that he is, and he's a rewarder. And if I don't operate by faith, meaning, God, that's what you said, I believe it, I actually frustrate the grace. So even though all this grace, all these gifts are coming by by me, if I don't say to God, God, I believe what you said, I take your word, that's what you said, that settles it. I actually am not partaking, I'm not receiving from him. And as the giver of all givers, it actually frustrates him. Not angrily, not like, oh, why don't you take it from me? No, it's frustrating in the sense of, Ah, I can't get it to you. Can can you see God that way where, man, let's just say Jordy needs healing for his body. I mean, and Jesus already purchased it according to what the word of God says. And Jordy needs it. And here, let's just pretend this is healing. God's just pouring it into him. He's like, yeah, here it is. Here it is. And Jordy's just, oh, God, heal me, Jesus. Would you please do this, Jesus? I just need this in my body, Jesus. God's like, it's right here. Take it. And he goes, oh, I know, but God, like, I I know you've done that in the past, and I know you do it in the future, but I just need it right now, God. And he's like, I'm right here. So he's not like, come on, Jordy. Get it together, Jordy. What is he doing? He's frustrated. He's like, "I, I can't get it to him. It's not like Jamie and I were talking on the phone. It's not like God's, like, withholding it, going, oh, you're not believing me? See ya. No, he's like, ah, I'm just trying to get it to you. I'm just trying to get this to you. Please just take it. Just take it. Do you see God that way? Because you've got to start seeing him that way because that's who he is. And the receivers are those that say, Lord, I believe it. I receive it. And what happens, even though, Jordy, sure, he takes it, what happens if nothing changes in the first week? Oh, well, I guess that's not true. No, you hold on to, and that's what we're going to talk about next. You hold on until you see it. Because his word, according to what he said in Jeremiah, does not return unto him void. He is a doer of his word. Now. We'll continue on here for a moment. (laughs) You only enjoy grace to what you receive by faith. Next, this is what I wanted to get to, is what do I need to know about the faith life? And I want to just really give us a clear understanding. You need to know how to fight. you got to be a fighter. Anybody a fighter in here? (laughs) Okay, there's a few people. Every Christian, the moment you got born again... You entered a fight. This is a war that we're in. And I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. But if you want to do this faith life, and we haven't even talked about faith yet. I'm just laying out what you need to know about faith. Because if we don't know how to fight, you will never see it manifest in your life. We have to fight. And I want to prerequisite by saying this. You are not fighting to get something from God. He's already provided it. So I want to show you what we are fighting. Because, listen, there is a battle that is on here. We are on the most dangerous planet that the universe will ever know. Anybody see that? You can watch the news and you can see the enemy, Satan himself, doing work on this earth. You can see it, hands down. But thank God he hasn't left us helpless while we're here. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Got to get a little Pentecostal up in here. Are you, are you hearing me? <laughs> But 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. He says this. Let's say it together. Fight the good fight of faith in the conflict of evil. Then he says, take hold. Everybody say, take hold. Of the eternal life to which you were called. And you don't have to go to the next part. Just stay on that little front part of there for me. But it says this. Fight. Everybody say fight. fight. Fight the good fight of faith. What is our fight? Our fight is a fight of faith. This is what we fight with. This is how we fight. Uh, Now, as I said, why do I have to fight? Because some people say, I'm not really much of a fighter. I'm a lover. Well, in the kingdom of God, you're going to get your butt kicked. I'm serious. Niceness in the kingdom of God gets nothing. Passiveness gets you nothing. Pride also gets you nothing. So there's a fine line. A lot of people could just say, well, I'm entitled to this. Listen, you deserve nothing. It's the grace of God that gives it to you. Yet on the other side, grace provides it. Oh, I'm not sure if I can, I don't really deserve that. That attitude will keep you from having it. Because what is it the, Jesus even said, the righteous, they take it by force. That's what they do. Did you is they, I think Luke chapter something, if anybody knows that, that verse off heart, Luke chapter 9 or 12, somewhere in there. But the, the violent, they've, they take it by force. This is how we got to take it. So the promises of God, we got to take them. Now, why do I have to fight? Because, again, we live in a dangerous planet. We have enemies here. Always, listen, the key word here is always. The devil himself is always on the hunt, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. He'll do anything he possibly can to either take the word from you or just leave you discouraged. He's hungry for that. John 10, 10 Jesus said this. The thief comes. I think I have it on there. The thief's purpose is to do what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's been doing this for a little over 6,000 years. He's pretty good at it. He knows how to do this. But thank God, we have the greater one who lives on the inside of us. Right? Then Jesus said, my purpose is to do what? Do you believe that? Please, I want you just to think about this. Do you believe that he wants to give you a rich and satisfied life? You've got to get that in there. Maybe you've had some really crappy experiences. God's plan has never changed. I went through this, and I had a divorce over here, and my kids did this, and my, you know, my ex-husband did that. He came still to give you a rich and satisfied life. If you are not satisfied, I would... If you're not happy with where things are at right now, it ain't over yet, thank God. But let's start making steps towards that life. Maybe you've got to backtrack, make some choices, make some decisions again. But this is the will that Jesus has for you. Right, next verse I want to show you is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says this: stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Stay alert. We got to understand, we are in a war. Here in Western, Western civilization, we are at a war. It's a spiritual war. It says, watch out for your great enemy, who? Yeah. The devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion. I like it says, like a roaring lion. He's really, the devil's got nothing. Like it says in 1 John chapter 3, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil doesn't have any power unless you give it to him. The devil has nothing. Because if if, if his will is to steal, kill, and destroy, how come you're not dead yet? Because if the devil had his way, why are you still here? So he can't do anything. He needs permission. Right? Okay? Like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If we do not fight, we will be overrun by the circumstances of life. Now, I'm so thankful to God that God gave us faith. So when we have tough situations, rough things that come our way, He doesn't just go, oh, just accept it. Accept what's going on. No, He says, change it. Are you hearing that? So where, if you don't like the situation you're facing, if there's something not right in your body, you're not stuck with it. According to what God says, change it. Because everything that we can see is temporal and subject to change. His word does not change. So if my life is not lining up with this, I'm going to start speaking this over the things that are changeable. Anyway, okay. Uh, now, the next thing I want to make mention is why, what am I fighting? So if we're supposed to fight, what am I fighting? And I want to answer this by saying what we're not here fighting. <laughs> okay, I'm not fighting again or straining to get something from God. Grace has already provided it. Religion will teach you to be a beggar. Please, God, do this. Please, God, heal me. Please, God, save my family. Please, God, I need my finances. Please, God, help me with I get a job. That's, that's religious thinking, and it will get you nothing. I'm not trying to be mean or harsh. I'm just telling you from what I see in the Word of God. That type of mentality, beggarship, gets you nothing. In fact, religion, when, you know, yeah, just, just beg some more. Just spend some more time. Just, you know, being before the Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. Begging gets you nothing. Faith lays hold, like we just read. Look at, go back to 1 Timothy 6, 12. It says this, remember, fight the good fight of faith. Then he says right after it, take hold of the eternal life. And what is the eternal life? doesn't mean my life forever. It means the promises, the word that God has spoken take hold of eternal life. So that was, I mentioned that last week, you know, you kind of hear those Christianese phrases. so let go and let God. No, that's not what I read here. I mean, if you're going to let go of anxiety, let go of your, you know, anger, let go of your pain, yeah, that's, let go of that. But when it's coming to, you know, I got to just, you know, let go, God cannot do your job. So what is he telling me? I have to fight the good fight. How? By laying hold of what he said and holding on to it. Yeah? Yeah. Does that make sense? You can just yell at me. Does that make sense or no? Then if I need to. Okay. So then now looking here, what am I fighting? Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 17, I really want you to see this. Oh Jesus, help us. He says a final word be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on, everybody say, put on. Put on all of God's armor. Now notice what it says, so that he, God, is that what it says? No, what does your Bible say? So that you... Everybody say me. We think God is supposed to do our fighting. God's not fighting. We're the ones that got to stand. We fight. God will do the battle for us, but we got to fight. He says, so that you will be able to stand firm. Now notice, this is how we fight. We stand firm. Everybody say it with me. Stand firm. stand firm. This is the only battle we got is to stand firm. And you'll see in what? Stand firm against all... The strategies... Listen, the devil is very good at what he does. He deceived Eve, right? I mean, to deceive someone who is that smart using all their brain, that takes some craftiness, does it not? He's good at what he does. All the strategies of the devil, verse 12, but notice this. For we are not... Say, we're not. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we are fighting against evil rulers... And authorities of the unseen world. Okay? Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So then he goes on to say, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you, say me, (laughs) so that me will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Ah. Now I thank God, look no, look what he gave us now. Then he says, then after, then after the battle, you will what? Yeah. Still be standing firm. God is not interested in you crumbling under anything. Not at all. He says this, no notice, do you see how many times it says stand? Stand your ground. Can we do that together? Stand your ground. God promised Jamie and I kids. He promised that to us. He said it. He said it in his word, children are a gift. We could just go, it just seems like it's not working. And every time that that month came around and the period showed up, we had a choice at that. We go, oh, see, here we are again. No, stand your ground. That's how we saw the victories because we didn't just go, oh, you know, whatever God wants. No, that's not whatever God wants. He said it in his word, it's promised, you have to lay hold. He said it, so we said, Lord, we thank you that our children are strong. Our children are healthy. We started saying that a long time ago. And all of a sudden, when that day we were in New York City, Jamie came back with a little pea stick. She came in and said, we're pregnant! And hear what? The manifestation came. How did it come? Not by, oh, God, whatever, you know, whatever you want. It comes from laying hold and stand your ground. Don't give the devil an inch. Give him nothing. He's a sucker. Don't give him any respect. No treatment whatsoever. You can be a little harsh with that loser. Right. Then he says, how? Put on the belt of truth. This is why we said, you have got to make this the final authority in your life. It has got to be that. Because if it's not, you're going to be wishy-washy. Putting on the belt of truth and then the body of armor of God's righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Knowing that I'm right. <laughs> right? Next, he goes on to say, For shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up. Everybody say, hold up. The shield of faith. Why? So that you, may, so that you can stop the fiery arrows of the devil. He is shooting at us on a regular basis. With what? This, now listen, this right here shows us his strategies. What does the devil do? What's his strategy? Thoughts. Ideas. Imaginations. Is it really gonna work? His tactics have not changed. He said to Eve, "Well, when, when Eve took apple, you, you'll be like God. Are you sure? That's, is, that, is that what God really said? He will do this over and over. By, God says, by my stripes, you're healed. Yeah, but I know, but that that happened for your brother. You don't know the crappy life you've lived. Like, is that really for you? And what's he doing? He's subtly getting in there, and he comes with his strategies, with his thoughts. You can't answer thought with thoughts. You have got to say, no. I refuse that thought. I refuse those words. I'm not taking that. It's not my thought. I thank God that I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the result is I'm holding my ground. Now listen, he will come back. It could be 500 times a day these thoughts and these imaginings come at you. But every single time you've got to answer it. Stand your ground. Put up that shield constantly. And then he says, go to the next verse. Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the what? The sword of the spirit to cut him up. How do you beat the devil? You speak the word. You start stabbing him with it. Spank him with it. Man, come over here devil and I'll whoop you a few times. Man, when the devil tried to put sickness on our son Jace, our oldest boy, they didn't diagnose him with asthma. That's what they were guessing it was. Right away, at that moment, fear tries to come in and say, "He's not going to live like every other other kid. He's not going to have a life just like every other kid. He's not going to be able to run and do everything that other kids do." Those thoughts come. Anybody ever experienced that? Am I the only? They come constantly. But we, at that moment, we have to say, "Jamie and I, we came into agreement. We refuse to fear. No fear." So what did we do? We found from the Word of God that by Jesus' stripes, Jace is. Jace to this day will constantly say, I'm healed by Jesus Christ. Yeah. you got to get that in there. And what are we doing? We're holding our ground. You take that sword, you hold on to it, because that's the, the, the word of God. So now, I want to just show you this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go about five minutes over. Are we okay? Okay. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, because I want to just show you what am I fighting? How do I fight now? And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, and I think I got it in the in New King James now notice, kind of the same thing. For though, everybody say, look at this. For though we walk in the flesh, right? We walk are we walking in the flesh tonight? Here we are. Got, you see all beautiful bodies here? We walk in the flesh. Notice, we do not war according to the flesh. I mean, I can't fight spiritual battles with this. Where are you going to find the devil anyway? He's not anywhere around. I can't beat him up. If I could, I'd no, no, give him a good piece. But verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare, how we fight, is not carnal or natural, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What's a stronghold? Imaginations, thoughts, theories that came into your mind from the enemy. Those could be strongholds that come. Then he says, casting down. Everybody say, casting down. Casting down. Arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, yeah, where? Into the captivity, into the obedience of Christ. If a thought does not line up with this word, the way that the Lord said it to me is slap it down. Kind of like you know those stupid little mosquitoes in the summertime? What do you see a lot of people doing? Come on, just do it with me for a sec. You just, just hear it. Right? Or if it's a bee or something, you're getting crazy with it. Well, if these thoughts come, what do you got to do? Oh, yeah, that's... Oh, I haven't seen that in my life. I, I wonder where I got to... Oh. Start slapping that stuff down and bring it to obedience to this. If it doesn't line up with this, wait a minute. That's not what the word of God says. That's maybe what I'm seeing and experiencing right here. But this is what God says. So I'm going to slap it down. Everybody say slap it down. I'm going to slap it down and say, no, this is what the word says. That's how I fight my battle. Can you see this? This is how you continue to stand. And having done all to stand, stand. How? Slap it down. (laughs) Say it with me. Slap it down. down. So again, what am I fighting? I am fighting against all the thoughts that are contrary to what God has said in his word. If it doesn't line up, oh yeah, but I thought thought you received your healing. Oh yeah, I thought so too. I don't know what happened. Don't even go there. Slap it down. Say, no, I did receive it. I did receive it. This is his only access point. Can you see how the devil works? C- can you see that? This is the only thing that he's got. So if what you're not experiencing doesn't line up with what God's word says, change it. Listen, that's how powerful that God on the inside of you made you. If what you're seeing is not what you like to be seeing, guess what? Change it. Everybody say that with me. Change it. Do you like what's going on in your physical body? No change it. How? By laying hold of what he said. Right? Do you like what's going on in your family? Maybe not. Change it. Are you enjoying the addictions that are going on in your life? No? Change it. Why? Can I really do that? Yeah, absolutely. From grace through faith. This is the whole relationship. Grace provided it. Faith says, I believe it. And I'm not going to get into what the next thing I wanted to say because we'll, we'll be rowdy for a little while. But this is the last verse I want to show you. is 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. I don't have it on the screen, so turn in your Bibles there for a moment. <laughs> Let me encourage you, while you're turning there, get some faith buddies. Faith buddies. You need some buddies that speak faith. You need some buddies that won't just go, Cope, Oh, that's what's going on in your life? Oh, that really does suck. You must be a loser. Yeah, that's really hard. You need some faith buddies that will say, hey, you know what? Text them. I mean, phone is kind of a, you know, an irrelevant thing that we do now these days, but once in a while, you know, every once in a while, even I just give a phone call out to a couple friends of mine. And you know what? It's just good. You know what? Tell me again, how healed am I? Oh man, you so healed? Healed people call you healed. And then, oh Lord, you know, just bring somebody up. Tell me, like, am, am I prosperous? Am I blessed? Oh, you are so blessed. The blessed people look and go, man, he's blessed. You, you need some people in your life that will speak the word of God to you, not based on what's being seen, but on based on what God sees. You need. I mean, we, Jamie and I, we went to a conference a couple of years ago, and it was a wild one. I mean, for you Pentecostal folk, you would love this. It got crazy. And uh, the the singer that was up there, he had a song, and he just started singing, Four Crazy Friends." And what he was talking about, referring to Mark chapter 2. talking about Remember that paralyzed guy? And all of a sudden, they saw the house was totally packed. And this guy was, oh, there's no, we can't get to Jesus. so oh, I guess we'll just go home. Not with these four crazy friends. They said, you are getting your healing today. We're going to go up to that roof. We're going to dig a hole in a roof of a house. And we're going to lower you in in front of everybody. And Jesus is going to heal you. That takes something. Can you see this? Faith doesn't play nice. Faith is not Canadian. No, I'm serious. And I said this a couple weeks ago. I believe it was totally inspired by the Spirit of God that the response cannot be our background. We respond based on, you know, this is our culture. This is how we are. Screw the culture. We are the kingdom of God. And the violent, they take it by force. So if you need to run, if you need to shout, listen, I don't give a rip. All I know is you are responding to the Spirit of God on the inside of you. I want to hook up with you. People may think, who cares what they think? All that matters is you get what God promised you, then we'll see who's laughing. Abraham, a 99-year-old man, came back to the house and said, hey, everybody. He had, I mean, 300 staff that worked under him. He said, don't call me Abram anymore. Okay, what do you want us to call you? Abraham. (laughs) And now for us in the Western culture, we kind of go, no big deal. Yeah, but in the Hebrew culture, the words are actually pictures. When he said, call me Abraham, he's literally saying, I am a father of many nations. They looked at him like, you old man, what's wrong with you? Like fell off the rocker. You crazy. You're 99. Your wife's 90. Ain't going to happen. He said, that's what you're going to call me from now on. It gets intense. You've got to grab this thing. So let me encourage you. Just don't be Canadian. <laughs> As a fellow Canadian, I'm realizing this more and more. I can't just be my culture. And you know, oh, this is how it is. No, I'm the kingdom of God culture. So when I praise, when I rejoice, it's going to be different than just our culture. I don't want to be disruptive. I don't give a rip. I want what he said. Okay, anywho, I'm just getting excited. You know, this is a word that the Lord said to me, it's time to stop playing defense because a defensive Christian is a defeated Christian. You are no longer on the defense. You are on the offense. Whoever told you you're on the defense, I don't know where that came from. Religious mindset. You are on the offense. You are the possessor of all things. That's who you are. God made you that way. And First John chapter 5 and verse 4. You guys found that? Yeah. I got hyper so you could find it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We don't have it on the screen. Okay, it says this. For every child of God defeats this evil world. Can we say that together? Every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory, how? Right. Ooh, through our faith. Faith changes everything. So who is a child? who's a child of God? So what does that mean? You have defeated, not going to defeat, you have defeated this evil world and everything that it tries to do. I'm going to just let that sit for five minutes and then we'll... Every child of God. Yeah, but I'm just this. No, no, no. Every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. Amen. Amen. Was that helpful this evening? Was that something you could put in your pocket and say, okay, I can apply this? Maybe. (laughs) Okay, good. But again, let me just, I really want to encourage you. This is a faith church. We have faith, we believe in the grace of God, so we respond by faith. Get some faith buddies. And in this room, maybe there's people you don't know, if you're looking for friendships, if you're looking for relationships, God never intended us to fight alone. Come on, somebody. I, I really mean this. Jamie and I, when we were going through this thing with our, with our children and experienced with our son, to go alone is totally contradictory to what the Word says. This is why church is here. We're here to do life together. So if there's things that you're maybe struggling with, it's your personal life or just something going on in your family, there is faith people in this room. We are all faith people here. There's faith people in this room that will take what God says and they'll agree with you. Man, there's strength in numbers. Don't walk at it alone and don't go, oh, you know, this is my problem. I don't want anybody to know. Forget about that. It's Just you and me and God, we got this. Forget about that. Listen, I mean, of course you want to confide in somebody you trust. I, I totally understand that. But don't do it alone. I mean, we kind of thought for the little bit had to talk to people that we were having troubles getting pregnant. It's, it's a bit weird or a bit awkward. No, not to a faith person. We go, let's hook up with you because this is what God says. If you're dealing with addiction, if there's things going on in your life, you're having a hard time quitting smoking or whatever, man, get people around you and so we can add our faith and say, yes, this is what the word says. Yes, this is what you can do. And the result is you got numbers because if a thousand or a one, one can put a thousand to flight, it says two can put 10,000 to flight. We become stronger in numbers. And that's what God's intention was with the church. Not they become silos that will become one joint family going after him together. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your word. I want everyone to just say this after me. Father, Father tonight, tonight I, make I make a decision that your word, your word is, first is first and final authority in my life. Jesus, I want to honor you and the life that you lived and the sacrifice you paid for me that I live a life of faith in your word. Thank you for teaching me how to fight. Lord, I praise you. I am already more than a conqueror because you caused me to triumph In every area of my life. I am blessed. Now I want you to say this is what the word says. I am blessed. I am healed. I have a sound mind. God loves me. God is for me. Who can be against me? these are the words that we got to continually say over and over I am free I am delivered I am righteous you know the ph- Philemon verse 6 it says I want my faith to become effectual become effective how do I do that by acknowledging every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus so what we're not boasting on us we're boasting on what the Lord has done for us so constantly say it I am free that in between puffs in between drinks I am free. If I'm constantly angry, no, 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 I am full of the love of God. Yeah. You've got, you got to stop saying those things. I, uh, my family, we always get sick this time of year, or things just never seem to work out. Let me encourage you, stop saying that, because what you're doing is you're just reinforcing truly what's on the inside. We've got to change it. This is what God says, I believe that. That makes sense? I just, I just have that on my heart because I, there, I know there's, Jamie and I, we've been spending a lot of time just praying for the church families here. And our heart is so for you as pastors. I think what the Lord has done, He's enlarging our hearts to hold you in it in a greater way. There's marriages that need help. There's people's just physical beings that need help. There's people's mindsets that needs help. And God is not satisfied with just, oh, we just cover it up. He wants a whole person spirit, soul, body. And so we care about you. We love you. And that's what-